All right, welcome everybody to the inaugural episode of the Gone Bridge podcast. My name is Andrew Gardner here with Steve Brady and Alex Clausen. How are we doing, guys? Doing great. Doing How great. are you? Thanks. Good. 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 Um, all right. So, first episode, give uh, listeners a brief overview here. Um, you know, three big baseball fans. We're going to be talking mostly Red Sox, but um, also with the offseason, it's kind of tough. So, we're going to be throwing in some um, general MLB talk here. Um, and also want to um, quick shout out to Kevin Larney, Wild Chat Sports. Um, we're doing like a partnership with him. So you can find our episodes on the Wild Chat Sports YouTube page. And then we're also going to have our own Spotify um, page where you can find those. So with that being said, let's jump into it. Um, manager, the big, uh, big discussion point on everybody's mind. Um, you know, I've heard some people say that the Red Sox might try and uh, throw something out today because of uh, Election Day, kind of sweep it under the rug. But um, oh, I'll, yeah, get it in low key. I think Cora's coming back. I want to know what you guys think. Awesome. I'll you go first if you want. Um, there's no reason why they shouldn't bring back Alex Cora. Um, I think there was, what, three, three openings for manager this year. It was the Red Sox, Tigers, and White Sox. White Sox and Tigers already filled it. Tigers got AJ Hinch, who was really the biggest kind of player, like the biggest question mark um, in that whole sign stealing scandal. Uh, he kind of let the whole thing happen. So I really don't think there's going to be any backlash, especially from Red Sox fans. We all love Alex Cora. He's the man for the job. Um, I wouldn't trust anybody else. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen the the list of candidates, but it's a bunch of like, you know, journeymen like, in the MLB who yeah. are like assistant bench coaches. There's no legitimate other candidates to three people at this point one of them being Alex Cora could be wrong and then um I mean like like you said uh Clausen the uh what was it the Tigers signed AJ Hinn to the White Sox the Tigers yeah so I mean like they the whole thing with that sign stealing uh scandal was that Alex Cora was no longer in-house for the Astros when everything came uh like surfaced so they used him as like the big time scapegoat. And that's why a lot of the, uh, the brunt fell on him. But Red Sox, Red Sox nation, I know for a fact is behind Alex Cora. I know that all the players that uh, were a part of that 2018 team are behind Alex Cora. And uh, I don't really think there's a better man for the job than him. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so the five, the five finals for the job, Alex Cora, Carlos Mendoza, Don Kelly, James Rowan, and Sam Fold. Only name that I know out of those five besides Cora is Sam Fold, just because he used to play in MLB. Um, and yeah, none of those guys really uh, really make me excited. Um, and if sign stealing was the reason you don't bring back Alex Cora, and that was the reason why any other MLB team didn't um, bring him in as a candidate, then AJ Hinch also wouldn't have gotten a job. So I don't think it's a problem. Um, you know, Devers and Bogarts, you know, they both had decent seasons, at least Bogarts did, but um, you know, they, they are looking to take that next step with Cora. And I think that, um, you know, he's their mentor and they need him back. And I think, I think they're going to bring him back. I think uh, the problem might just be Hein Bloom um, not being the, the general manager um, when Cora was there, but I think, I think he's going to be back at some point this week. I do too. I really do as well. And clearly uh Rob Manfred doesn't care about any of the sign stealing that's going on. So Alex Cora should be all set on that front. Yeah. Uh, I, I also heard that the whole like owners group 
you know, John Henry, like all of them, they love Alex Cora. They've talked to him like a bunch of times in the last like week since the world series has ended. Um, so I really think like players, fans, owners, like everybody, but Heim Bloom is like crazy for this guy. So I really don't think that there's a reason why they don't bring him back. Yeah. I think no matter what, some he's going to be a part of this clubhouse in some uh, capacity. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you guys saw last week. Um, it was, I think it was the night the World Series ended. He like subtweeted himself um, from the day that he got hired, and he said like bless times two. So I mean, the Red Sox are only only opening, so it's not like oh he might be going to the Tigers or he might be going somewhere else. Like it's either the Red Sox or nowhere. Um, and I heard maybe they they bring him in as the bench coach, but I don't I don't see why they would do that. I mean, it's you're just kind of wasting talent at that point. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Safe face, if anything. Um, I also heard maybe Jason Veritek coming in as the bench coach because Renicki's out, so we need to fill that position as well. Um, any combination of those guys plus Cora, I'm completely fine with yeah. honestly. I like Jason Veritek is one of my favorite like Red Sox of all time. But I know like this year, you guys know like the tunnel time thing when they would hit a home run and they would get in the bucket and they would like <laughs> push it down the that was that was Jason Veritek. Yeah, like, that was his idea. He was like pushing it like hardcore. Like he was like every time they would hit a home run, like he'd be the guy like getting the bucket, like pushing guys around like tunnel time, tunnel time, tunnel time. So I'd be so down for him as bench coach. I'd be a sweet yeah. dude. I mean, I know people are pushing for Veritech as like full-time manager um, last winter, right after Corey got fired. But you wonder if the plan all along was just to, you know, let Corey sit out a year, kind of just let it blow over and then have him come back. Cause I mean, I feel like fans are taking much more offense to this stealing scandal than most teams are at this point if they're bringing these guys back. Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox haven't been the only team under scrutiny for, uh, like, stealing signs. We were involved in that Apple Watch thing, but, like, the Yankees were under investigation. The Astros obviously had the biggest scandal in the history of sports. So it's like whatever uh, team just happens to be, like, under the spotlight in that moment, the MLB fans just pile on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Red Sox haven't been the model franchise for that, uh, you know. It has nothing's, – nothing's going to live up to the magnitude of the Astros scandal, and we can debate whether, you know, 2018 they cheated or not. I don't think they did. But obviously under John Farrell, they had the Apple Watch thing. So, um, obviously, if they bring back Corey, there's going to be some scrutiny saying, like, oh, they don't care. But, honestly, the whole Astros thing was such a mess. Fingers were getting pointed everywhere. So, I mean, you know, it didn't come out until after he was gone. So, I see no reason why they can't bring him back. I think it will be good for the team. Um, overall positives. I mean, he's a great guy. Yeah. I honestly don't know that they would, I don't know that there would be a ton of like fan backlash because the whole AJ Hinge thing, like totally went under the rug. Like I didn't even realize he got signed as the Tigers manager until like two days ago. And apparently he got like hired like a week ago. So people just kind of don't really care. Um, so I got like, I guess I, I think people are going to forget about it. Um, and just move on if, if Korg gets hired. Especially because the Red Sox stunk last season. So I really don't see anybody giving it that much thought. Yeah. I feel like most of the hatred right now is pointed at the Astros players rather than like the coaches. Like people are all yeah. Carlos Correa. Now Tuve. Um, and yeah, I know Spring, Springer wants to leave the team. He hasn't really had discussions about coming back, um, which I know I want to get into later about uh, him and the Red Sox. But yeah. Um, 
But yeah, the whole thing is a mess. So I think we're we're all in agreement here that that core is coming back. I mean, he obviously should come back. He's the guy. He's the guy. Um, speaking of Cora, um, another guy who's been talked about um, coming in as possibly a coach next year is Dustin Pedroia. Um, there's been some talk about him and Heimblum having meetings about uh, like a mutual agreement to buy out his contract because, I mean, I love the guy, but his body just can't, can't hold up anymore. Um, so, I mean, I don't think there's much to debate here, but like what are you guys' thoughts on the whole Pedroia thing? Um, whole situation i mean in my mind he's essentially been a coach already for the past two years even um a part-time pitching coach if you ask eduardo rodriguez Mm -hmm. but i mean i think best case scenario we figure out a way to buy him out and to just uh, make it official because i don't think anybody has really expected him to do anything on field for the past two years in reality i'm totally with you steve i know the last like he got injured, what, four years ago, three years ago? And in those years since he's been back, I don't think he's played more than, like, 10 games a season. You know, he's, his body's just falling apart. Like, he's not going to play again, and he's not going to play even half the games. Like, even if you platooned him at second base, he wouldn't be able to play even half the games. So, at this point, it's just kind of dead money in the salary cap. So, I'd be good to buy him out. And I know in 2018, when he was with the team, when they won the World Series, he was kind of like that – David Ortiz mentor, like in um, 2013, when they won, like um, Dustin Pedroia was kind of the huge like guy on the bench, like riling guys up, like getting people going. So I'd be down to get him in as a, you know, as a player coach, you're probably just a coach, but um, I definitely think it's, it's probably time for him to go. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. And I know a lot of people blame him. They're like, Oh, he just retired already, but you know, he's trying his best to come back. And he's hurt because he left it all on the on the field for this team. Um, you know, he's been the model player for the Red Sox for the last decade plus. Um, so it's yeah. tough to see him go. But I agree with you, Alex. I mean, like, there's no no way he's going to play more than 60 games in a season. And even if he's able to, do you really want, like, I mean, what can he even bring to the table? I know Chavis struggled last year, but got Jeter down, maybe coming up this year. Um, maybe they sign someone. It's just – it's gotten to the point where it's just like what – if he can play, what can he bring to the table? And I don't think that that is better than anybody else um, who would who would be playing second base for them, which stinks to say, but I agree. I think he's he's um, at a point where he's going to be a better better coach at this point. Yeah, I mean, um, he basically would just be a waste of a – of a position player at that point he uh is getting old and you might as well invest those uh those innings on field into a younger player that's gonna be able to grow and potentially have um more impact in the future than Pedroia will and I think his contract runs until like through 2021 so even if we don't buy him out this year how long left does he have does it like is it really worth it yeah, I don't even know that if he if he came back to the field, he probably hasn't seen major league pitching in over a year. And even when he did, he saw a couple of games. So, you know, what are the odds that he's going to be even like a shell of what he was? I just don't think he would be productive at the plate at all. And then, you know, in the field, like, I guess, you know, he was always a pretty sound defensive player. So I think it'd be all right, but I don't even know that he's worth it, especially if you're going to give it to a younger guy like Chavis or even Jeter Downs when he comes up. Yeah, so this is the last year of his contract. Um, he's getting paid $12 million this year, which um, 
honestly, it would it would probably be the last year of his career, even if he wasn't um, yeah. wasn't all banged up. He's going to be 37 this year, uh, heading into 2022. He'll be 38. Um, so, I mean, it's not like you're biting like 40 to 50 million dollars like you were with Sandoval. It's 12 million dollars. Um, just pay him. That'll be that. Um, that being said, it's like I don't think it matters either way, really, whether or not we buy him out. I think he's going to assume a similar position, whether or not he's technically a player or technically a coach or whatever it is. Like you said, he's got one year left, twelve million. Not that big of a deal. Yeah, and I, I know we, big deal. They, they've sunk so much more into like they're probably still paying Pablo Sandoval at this point. Hanley Ramirez, they had that huge buyout with him, and then Rusne Castillo, the pride of Pawtucket. Oh, he's um, gone, isn't he? You know, they dumped yeah, like finally, they finally dumped seventy-two line. million dollars into him for like ten plate appearances. You know, money is you know buying a player out is not the the worst thing for the Red Sox. They still paying Alan Craig too. I feel like they might probably. probably. There's a lot they're of paying everybody. They're yeah, paying everybody. everybody. We're paying everybody but Mookie Butts. Everybody who leaves the Red Sox still still gets paid for like the next five years. It's ridiculous. No one, no one ever finishes out a contract. We're still paying David Price. I mean, we're we're paying like half of that uh, 2018 team still who's not even here. Um, but speaking of contracts as well, um, so Red Sox declined two player options this week: uh, Martin Perez and Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, I don't think Jackie Bradley Jr. was much of a surprise. Um, Martin Perez, however, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this one. It was only for six, between six and seven million. Um, you know, he had a pretty good season. Obviously, he loved Boston. Um, and for a team that's really lacking pitching depth, I kind of scratched my head at this move. So I want to hear what you guys have to say. I mean, uh, like you said, he was basically our best pitcher last year. Um, which I know isn't saying much given who was in our starting rotation, but I mean, for the contract that we could have just picked him up with and he loved Boston, like literally he wanted to be in Boston. So I don't know if we're going to maybe try and like make a new deal with him, but I don't really see that happening. I don't, as far as JBJ goes, I mean, it might just be time to move on from him because he might be able to get a little bit more money elsewhere than he's worth to us as like a maybe a defensive specialist on like a legitimate contender um i mean either way i don't really see the impacting the season too much uh given uh, the other talent on the roster but i would love to hear what you think Lawson. yeah i'm pretty much in the same boat i was definitely scratching my head when i saw that they didn't bring perez back um uh, my only thought was that they want to give him a longer deal or a better deal or something like that um, if it's for more money, that wouldn't really make sense. But um, that was kind of my only thought. I don't really know how many players, if they get their qualifying offer decline, like come back. Like, I don't really know if that's a trend or anything, but um, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. I guess I really wasn't surprised at all. Um, I think he can probably make a better impact somewhere else. Um, he was great when they were contending, but for now um, he's kind of just a cog in the lineup. He really doesn't produce very well at the plate. And, you know, if you're going to be a below average team, there's kind of no point in, having him be a defensive star when he can go somewhere else and compete for a championship and help somebody out. Yeah, I agree. At this point for Jackie, I mean, he got his ring. He's looking to get money. The Red Sox aren't going to give that to him. Um, I mean, he's been the longest, besides Pedroia, he's the longest tenured player on the team right now. Um, he's been with us uh, since 2013. So, I mean, he's definitely given yeah, He's got uh, two rings. Yeah, true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, two rings. Um, you know, so he's all set there and – um, you know, the Red Sox outfield next year is definitely got a lot of question marks. Um, 
I think the only guy we can really pencil in right now is Verdugo. Um, left and center are complete uh, question marks. Um, what do we think that Benintendi is going to bring to the table next year? Is he going to be back or are we about uh, to I mean, move on? That's a good question that I think everybody's wondering. I think not even he really knows at this point where his career is going. He was, regardless, the number one prospect in baseball um, right up for, for a short amount of time before we actually uh, brought him up. He had, like, I think one pretty decent season where he had, uh, like, 2020, hit, like, 280. But recently, it's been pretty slow for Benny. He grew the hair back. I thought that was going to change something. Apparently, it didn't. I, don't, I think he hit 100, like, like one last season. Horrible. Uh, I don't know, man. As far as Ben Attendee goes, I would love to see him do well. I really would. I love that guy to death. But um, he hasn't really shown me anything that – uh, merits that feeling so I don't know I would love a bounce back year but we'll see uh, I may be a little biased because I love Benny uh, I love watching him play but I don't I kind of don't see why not um, you know he was so good like 2018 you said he had like that 2020 season he was so good in the playoffs um, and then 2019 he kind of fell back a little bit and then 2020 I think he was just hurt for most of it um, you know he didn't really start off very hot but I really don't see why not um for him to make a comeback and, and get back into left field and really kind of get back to the, the player was a couple of years ago. You know, he said he was the number one prospect not that long ago and he's still young. Um, he's under 25. I'm pretty sure. Um, so I think there's still plenty of time for Benny. And I think the, the outfield, I don't have too much of a worry about. I think it's just filling that spot in center field. That's going to be a little tough. Yeah. So, so Benny's only 25 right now. Um, I mean, he, he hit one Oh three this year. Um, but I mean, he still, he only had 39 at bats, which is like a 20th of a normal MLB season. Um, so super small sample size. Um, I agree. I think he'll be back, um, to at least, you know, like a 270 hitter, um, some of what we can expect from him. Um, you know, I know Cora will be able to help him out because, um, that was when he was flourishing when Cora was there, but, um, the only four outfielders on our roster right now. Are Benintendi, JD Martinez, who's going to be the DH, Verdugo, and then Marcus Wilson, who uh, I don't think has played a game above Double A. And then I know there's also been talk about um, Jaron Duran coming up. Uh, none of those guys really um, I speak like or spark like replacement value for JBJ for me. So I'm thinking we're going to have to go out and sign someone. And that market's also pretty thin. So I don't know if you guys have someone in mind who you guys are like thinking is going to be that third outfielder replacement. Um, Cause for me, I'm kind of drawing a blank right now. I mean, ever since we traded bets, I mean, I, it's been a common trend for the Red Sox to undervalue in-house talent and way overvalue um, everybody else. So I was afraid from the very beginning that we're going to get rid of bets and then we're going to pay like George Springer, like a ton of money for no good reason. And I mean, until we don't do that and the off season's over, I would not put it past the Red Sox to get rid of Mookie Betts and then way overpay George Springer as much as I would hate that to happen. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I kind of want anybody but George Springer. Cause I know that they would pay him way too much. Like it would be like the David price situation a couple of years ago where they just like way outbid everybody else for no reason. Um, so I think that, and we'll get more into it with free agency, but I think this year's free agency, they're going to be able to pick up some guys for pretty cheap. Um, you know, obviously the money's not there this year. So I don't know if that means they could bring Jackie Bradley jr. Back, you know, short-term deal, 
only a little bit of money, you know, I'd be up for that. I think that's probably the best case scenario. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm kind of drawing a blank too. They may have to, they may have to dig into the farm system to just plug somebody in and, and hope, hope they're good. Or yeah. at least hope we they're serviceable. Get Kevin Pillar back. Be up for it. Uh, yeah. You know, that honestly might not be a horrible option. The problem is, is I heard a rumor that, um, you know, Heim might be willing to spend some money this off season. But the problem for me is that, you know, one piece is not going to fix this team. It's not like, oh, we just need a center fielder and, you know, like a, a middle of the back guy or a middle of the order bat and it'll fix everything. It's not going to happen. The only, there's been a ton of other pieces. There's so much. I, I'm kind of taking the approach this offseason as like 2013 where we sign a bunch of like like Victorino, Napoli, Gomes, yeah. Carp, like a bunch of guys we like that. We did have to – keep in mind we did have to dump uh, – Adrian Gonzalez for a couple of those guys right. that uh, increased their depth a lot. So if like we were going to do a similar thing, who would be that guy that we uh, trade away for some depth? Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the bets move would be that, like that you said, but I mean, Verdugo's good, but I don't even know if downs will be ready this year. I think the only outfielder who I'd be willing to spend somewhat decent money on is Marcelo Zuna. Um, maybe move Benny to center. But again, I mean, he had a really good season this year. But the, the problem for me is that uh, these guys only played 60 games this year. Yeah. That could be like their best 60 games in a normal season or like their worst. It's just, it kind of kind of startles me when I see some of these numbers. You don't know if that's just like just a piece of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, flashback to JBJ's 29 game hitting streak. It's like you can get hot at any time as a right. MLB player. So it's like, what do these numbers actually mean? Yeah. Um, so uh, I remember hearing before the season, oh, go ahead. No, no, you finish up. I remember hearing before the season that like, if there was anybody that was going to hit like 400 in the majors, it was Jackie Bradley jr. Because he's one of those guys that'll get hot for like 40 games and then just go ice cold. Like he'll hit like 500 and then 0.8. Like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so obviously it didn't work out, but yeah, it's the same deal. You kind of can't trust, you can only trust so much of 60 games. Um, like with Marcelo Zuna, obviously he was, you know, one of the biggest pieces for the Braves, probably one of the biggest reasons why they made it to the NLCS. But I don't know that you can take that small sample size and just, you know, dump a bunch of money into him and, and hope it works out and hope it pans out in the future. Yeah. I mean, for me, he, he would just be like a, like a got like a gap stop guy. I mean, he's not a, he's not a long-term option. I think he's, he's probably just about 30 years old as well. Um, so the top, I was thinking he was a little older than that. He might be, honestly. I don't – I mean, he's bounced around. He's with the Marlins, Cardinals, not the Braves. So, you know, he's been around for a while. He's still a good player. Um, the other top outfield free agents right now, um, JBJ, George Springer, uh, Kevin Pillar. So, all guys who have, you know, come through. The Red Sox have been tied to. Um, Josh Reddick, another guy. That's a yeah, not a big fan of Josh Reddick, personally. Uh, um <laughs> Jake Marino. Ozuna is actually only 29, by the way. I thought he was way older than that. Ozuna? Yeah, he's only 29. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. I like him, but the, that's the thing is that he's not going to be the, the be all end all. There's going to be other pieces that are going to be filled. Yeah, going into his age 30 uh, year, uh, I mean, like, he's going to be looking for a good contract that he's going to be able to, you know, live off of for a little while. Right. So, and if I'm the Red Sox, I might want to look towards the the pitching side of things instead because um you know obviously Perez is gone um so I guess next year um the only 
two guys we can maybe count on are Ivaldi and Hauk. And beyond that, it's like Sale's not going to be ready for opening day. Erod might never pitch again. He says he feels good, but I mean, you just don't know. Who knows? We don't yeah, know the long term effects of COVID. Like, he, he could be pretty much. The heart up. is not something that you can really mess with, too. No. So it's like. No. Um, and I know people want the Red Sox to go, over, go after Bauer. I don't know if that's a good move or not. Um, so, again, it's just kind of like we're going to have to sign like two or three of these like intermediate guys. I know Marcus Stroman was maybe an option who they talked about. Um, but again, there's no farm. Or you can finish your thought. No, there's there's no farm guys to come up besides Hauk, who looked really good, but again, only three starts. And yeah, that's actually a good segue. So yeah. what I was just gonna say. Yeah. Which is how do you guys feel about just blowing it up? Not yet. No. Not yet. That, the offense is too good and too young. If like if everybody on that offense was five years older and they were gonna turn like thirty in the next three years, I just say blow it up. But there's so much young talent on the team. I just think they need pitching because their offense was still. It was like I looked it up this morning. It was like eleventh or something. It was better than yeah. like four or five playoff teams. There was a point um, of like this year, so I really think that there's potential. No potential, but yeah. I mean, I think pitching is just the biggest question mark um, and they need to go out. And I think this year free agency is going to be a little different. Like, I think that, you know, the top guys like Real Muto and Springer are going to get like the money that they probably would command any other year. But any of those in between guys are probably just going to get, you know, less money, short deals, um, kind of exactly what the Red Sox are looking for. Yeah, I know that teams are definitely going to be more tentative to uh, sign guys this year because we don't even know if the like what's going to be the uh, deal with the season next year. It could be another short yeah. year. Um, we don't know. So um, besides Bauer, um, I know the Rays just um, didn't uh, offer Charlie Morton a qualifying deal, um, but he's also an older guy. Um, Tanaka, Stroman, Odorizzi. So – a bunch of older options there who will probably kind of command good money since they're the top uh, market right now. So I'm sure Heim's got some stuff rolled up his sleeve that we can't even predict right now. But um, I don't know if there's all under control. Oh yeah, I totally, totally, totally trust. <laughs> and I don't even know if it's the worst thing for them to go out and sign two or three of those, you know, older guys that are maybe a little bit past their prime, but are going to get them on a good deal for a couple of years. You know, I know that there's a, I think like two pitching prospects in the, the Red Sox system that are going to come up in the next few years and, and do pretty well. So I think if we can just kind of bridge that gap between now and then, um, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. I think they'll be closer to contention than they were this year. What about John Lester? Um, for the right price. Sure. But um, I mean, I think he's, I don't think he's going to be looking for a crazy amount of money. I think that I've heard he's looking to either stay in Chicago or um, he's interested interested in a potential uh, Boston reunion. I don't think Chicago really expresses the same interest in bringing him back. That, uh, but I don't know. He's kind of old. He's been kind of slowing down. I don't think he's really going to solve any problems. So I, I don't know if it's going to be worth it. It all depends on what he's asking, though. Yeah, I'd love to bring him back. Like, you know, he was part of that 2013 team. Like, you know, all those years they were winning, but he's gotten much older. He's what, like 37 now. 
his fastball was never all that fast, but it's like put, you know, it's barely at 90. Um, like he's really not like a effective pitcher anymore. Um, so I think he'd be great for like the initial like pop of like, Oh sweet. John Lester's back. But I think once you yeah. get into the season, I think you would get, I think you get roughed up pretty bad. Yeah, I agree. I almost, uh, I don't know if it would even be worth bringing him back. I mean, if I were Lester, I wouldn't even want to come back to the Red Sox after how much or how badly they treated me uh, in 2014 yeah. when literally dumped him to the curb and were, like lowballed him. And then we're like, oh, come back. We'll sign you now. And he was like, well, Chicago, Chicago's got me covered. Um, so again, I, I don't, I don't really know what Heim's going to do here. There's a bunch of different approaches that he could take, um, you know, signing one big guy and then, you know, working with his analytics and finding, you know, guys who've been released by teams to fill these spots or just signing like two or three, you know, solidified options who will, you know, do okay, but you can't like, can't count the whole uh, world on them. I think we just need to accept the fact that this next season uh, might not be the most productive for the Red Sox. I think like one of you guys said, it's just going to be a bridge year to maybe something better in the future. Yeah, I, I think this year is going to be one of the more interesting years because um, this this year, 2020, it was just a whole mess. I mean, Betts is gone. But um, this next year, I think it's going to be a big um, – like if you produce, you've got a spot on the team, you've got a future with the team. But if you don't produce, I don't think anybody's like really locked in. Like if Devers has another tough year, um, maybe they try and look to move him too. Yeah, I really think the only person that – uh should be untouchable on this team is Xander Bogarts purely because he produces and his contract is uh, extremely reasonable, even for um, a team that is in the state that the Red Sox are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to keep Verdugo around for a while too. I really liked watching him this year. Um, he oh, started yeah. a little slow, but you know, in the end he was raking, like he was, you know, when all-star weekend would have come around, he was hitting over 300, you know, he was, he would have been all-star this year for sure. He was double digit home runs. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really liked him. I don't know. He's pretty young too. So they've got control over him for a while. So I really think he's just going to keep getting better and he really seems to embrace everything in Boston. So I'd say between him and Bogarts, you know, I really wouldn't make anybody else untouchable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they have him for four more years um, through 2024. Um, actually, maybe even he's 2025. around. So they got at least four more years with him. Um, and, yeah, I know he he said, he's like, I'm not trying to fill the void of Mookie Betts. I'm trying to be my own guy. And I I, I really like that mentality because um, he's not out there to prove something, but um, he wants to show Boston fans that he really does care and that, uh, you know, he wasn't just some guy thrown in, in the deal for the team's best player in a generation. Yeah, yeah. He kind of reminds me of Manny Ramirez a little bit because, like, he's so, like, up and, like, running around. Like, he's always smiling. Like, he's just having a good time. And it kind of reminds me of Manny a little bit because, like, I just remember Manny was always, like, huge goofball, like, always hyping people up. And I just see the same thing in Ferdugo. So, let's hope he produces the same as Manny. But um, he's definitely got the right the right attitude to be in the culture. One of my favorite parts about last season was um, that game that Dougie was sitting on the bench eating like two peanut butter sandwiches or something like that. I was just like, this team stinks, but that's pretty funny, I guess. If so it, kept my fingers up. Yeah, no, he made the best out of the situation with Renicky. And uh, I think Cora is a, a guy, or Verdugo is a guy who would really benefit from Cora coming in. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, you almost wonder how much better can he get because he had a really good year. Um, 
but I think that, um, you know, it all comes back to Cora. I think he's just all around going to make this team so much better, so much more well-rounded. Um, you know, I, Han just got to find those pieces, especially pitching. Um, and again, I don't really think that we can predict them right now because he's just. Yeah. Right, no one goes. We just need somebody who can throw the ball. Yeah, throw the Ray's kind of stocked up on a, on a bunch of like six, eight lefties. So I feel like he's going to like, Heinblum's just going to start walking the streets of Boston and find the tallest guy out there and give him a baseball. And, you know, nobody's going to hit a six, eight lefty. So, you know, if he can pull off what he did with the Rays, I'm fine with that. I mean, yeah, he was, he was pulling guys out who had like been retired since or hadn't pitched in the game since like 2014. So, I mean, nothing's off the table at this point. Yeah, I mean, hopefully – the Sox future is extremely unclear right now, but all we can really do is hope the best. Yeah. Right, right. Um, all right, so I want to move in here to our last topic of the day. Um, MLB yesterday announced the finalists for um, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Manager of the Year. So I wanted to kind of go through. We'll each give our picks for each award. And, um, you know, some of these are pretty, pretty clear. Not much debate needed, but, um, yeah. you know, um, so start with um, we'll start with Cy Young here because I think that's get that out of the way pretty easy. So in the AL, the nominees are um, Shane Bieber of the Indians, uh, Kenta Maeda from Minnesota, and then Hinjin Ryu. So I don't know if you guys have anything to say, but I think Bieber is the clear favorite. The obvious answer. Yeah, yeah. He, he was triple crown of pitching in the AL. I don't think there's any the other choice. League. Oh yeah, it was the entire league. I just don't think there was a better – I mean, he was a top two pitcher this year. Um, yeah. We'll talk about the other guy later, but um, I really think it, it's so over and obvious Shane Bieber. It's very very obvious. I will say that I, I wrote a blog um, predicting all the awards before the season back in July, and this was this was the only one I picked correct. I said said Bieber was going to win the Cy Young. I didn't think he'd be this good. I thought, thought that was a long shot, but he was so dominant this year. Um, you know, he had a – Led the league in wins, a 163 ERA, and 122 strikeouts, which over a full season would be over 300 strikeouts easily. Yeah. Um, Personally, I don't know about you guys. I don't love the fact that he now gets credit for having um, uh, MLB triple crown for pitching just because the season was so short and he only had like, I think, uh, 11 ish starts, give or take a couple. So, I mean, I don't love that being on the same, uh, same level as some other triple crowns, but. I mean, as far as just this season, he's clearly the Cy Young. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the pitching triple crown at all compares to the, the batting one. But, I mean, when you lead the league in all three categories, definitely definitely something notable. Um, and then in the NL, the finalists were Trevor Bauer of the Cincinnati Reds, Hugh Darvish with the Cubs, and then Jacob DeGrom. And, again, this one's kind of a, kind of a clear pick with Trevor Bauer. Um, yep. I don't know if you guys have anything uh, – if you want to come at me for that. I mean, I do believe that it's Trevor Bauer. I don't necessarily think that it's um, even close to as much of a runaway as Shane Bieber is for um, the AL. I think Hugh Darvish, when he was on this season, had by far the most electrifying stuff out of any pitcher. You just, like, look at his um, look at his film. Like, the guy's pitching was absolutely insane. Still had a great ERA. It was, like, a 2-0. And he led the league in wins, so... I do think it's Bauer, but I think Darvish, I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, got a good amount of first place votes. Yeah, I don't know that it's that close either. I think 
like you said, you Darvish was electrifying this year, like really was just sitting guys down left and right. And then you kind of can't um, take DeGrom out of the situation. He's won it, you know, two times in a row, you know, obviously one of the best pitches in the major leagues, but Trevor Bauer just shoved. I mean, there's no way around it. He just went out and he pitched and he was just dominant all year. Um, so I think it's Bauer too, but I definitely think yep. it, you know, Darvish and DeGrom are probably going to get some, some good votes, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think that it's going to be enough to take over Bauer. Yeah. I don't think this one's going to be unanimous like the AL will. Um, I think Darvish will get a couple of first place votes, but um, in the end, I think, I think Bauer will probably take this one pretty handily. Um, so moving to the rookie of the year, um, this was kind of a lot harder uh, this year because a lot of the times, you know, rookies will kind of come up more towards like May, sometimes the beginning of the year, they, they aren't um, as notable. Uh, so these guys um, didn't all, didn't make the biggest impact this year. Um, so in the NL, the finalists were um, Alec Baum of the Phillies, Jake Cronensworth of San Diego and Devin Williams with the Brewers. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest, uh, just looking over some stats here. I think Devin Williams is going to win this. Um, but he really flew under my radar this entire season. Uh, I don't really have too much to analyze here. Um, I mean, yeah, Williams um, was great this year. Uh, He was a 26-year-old rookie, which um, I know I don't think voters really take a lot of uh, the age of the rookie into account, nor should they. But personally, that's something that I like to think about. Like, his numbers are obviously great. Um, Mid-season, I really thought Cronenworth on the – Padres was going to run away with it. He was hitting like 360. It was a huge reason for their success. So I think that's kind of a toss-up between those two. But um, I don't think it's pretty clear-cut. Yeah, I think – I mean, Williams was one of the best relievers in the game. He had like a .26 ERA or something. He was just sitting guys down. Um, So I think he's going to win it. Um, I know Bohm is probably the best – Phillies prospect they have in their system and you know he came in and did well but I don't think he did enough to to walk away with it and you know Cronenworth as well um you know he was good but I just think that Devin Williams is gonna he's gonna get a lot of votes and I think he's gonna win it yeah Yeah. I don't think there's a clear favor here at all I I could see I can make a case for basically all three of them I think it's gonna be between Cronenworth and uh Williams but um it's gonna be close just gonna be really what uh what voters look for um know whether they value pitching or uh, hitting more um and then yeah Yeah. rookie rookie of the year is rookie of the year is tough this year just because there's so like such a little sample size Mm -hmm. like if guys come up in may they have you know a couple months to show themselves and then maybe a little bit in the playoffs um but this year it was like you know guys came up you know whenever and they really didn't have that big of a sample size so it's kind of the same thing with shane bieber and you know triple crown you know you don't really know how over the season it would have progressed. Like if one of those guys would have really taken off or if like Devin Williams, who was really good, you know, guys figure him out halfway through the year and then just start, you know, teeing off of them. It's, it's really kind of tough to tell. Yeah. Things can change fast for sure. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Um, then another close race in the AL, um, it's Christian Javier on the Houston Astros, um, Kyle Lewis on the Seattle Mariners and then Luis Robert on the Chicago White Sox. Um, I think Kyle Lewis is going to win this in the AL, um, but I think it's pretty close between him and Robert. Um, if Robert hadn't kind of tailed off there at the end of the season, I think it was his, but um, he kind of he kind of slowed down for the last 20 games as well as the entire White Sox team. But um, Yeah. Still finished with uh, some good numbers, though. But he is supposed to be like a generational talent. 
So, I mean, I did kind of expect him to do this well. I would probably expect him to do um, a little bit better, honestly. But uh, if I'm a White Sox fan, I'm definitely not disappointed with how he played. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think Javier is definitely going to get a pretty good look um, just because that Astros rotation was pretty tattered, you know, between Granky and Verlander, they were all kind of out for a little while. Um, Verlander, we really didn't see at all. Um, and Javier just came in and, and did his job and pitched well. So I think, you know, I think Robert is still going to win it, but I think Javier is definitely going to get a good look because um, he made a huge impact for the, the Astros. Yeah. Contending team, which I personally think plays um, a good, good amount of a uh, role in the photos mind. Yeah. Yeah. Coming into the season, I thought, I thought Robert is going to win it. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my vote here. I think Kyle Lewis is going to take it, honestly. It's gonna be a right. it's definitely gonna be interesting to see how the, uh, that plays out. Yep. Um, all right, and then manager of the year we got in the AL Kevin Cash, um, obviously with the Rays, um, Charlie Montoya with the Blue Jays, and Rick Renteria, who managed the White Sox but was fired. Um, so I personally, this one's really interesting. I know this voting takes place before the postseason. Uh, which in yeah. Cash's place is extremely beneficial. Mm. Yeah, um, I think Cash will win it. But I mean, after the World Series, you definitely got to question uh, some of the decisions he made in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Cash and the Rays organization pretty much um, invented their own style of play a year or two ago with the opener. And they found that that worked for them. They wrote it the entire regular season which is all that really matters for this um, particular award. But the playoffs, like you said, they just abandoned that ideal completely and it, they paid for it. So, I mean, like you said, though, it's just the regular season. I'm still probably going to go with uh, Kevin Cash for my pick. Yeah, I got to go with Kevin Cash, too. He's really kind of reinvented baseball a little bit, um, especially with the Rays doing it. You know, they don't have a ton of superstar players. Um, you know, Arosa Reina went off in the playoffs. Um, he definitely carried them for a little bit. But I got to agree, like in the playoffs, you really got to scratch your head and say, you know, what are you doing? He totally switched up his whole philosophy, getting rid of the opener. And then in game six, you know, pulling Blake Snell after six innings, mowing down the Dodgers. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if his head was just too far in the books and really just wasn't looking at anything. But you definitely got to scratch your head and and wonder what he's doing. So either way, I mean, it's a regular season award, so it's got to go to Kevin Cash. Yeah, I mean, too far off topic, but um, as far as the playoff goes, like he left Glass now in there and uh, whatever game it was for I think 116 pitches, which completely goes against all the Rays, uh, you know, play style. And then Snell is absolutely dealing with like I think 90 pitches in the book or something, you take him out. So I think he got in his own head a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, that, that move was absolutely mind-boggling. And every justification he tried to make for it, like, it just backfired on him. I mean, him saying that he didn't want um, Snell to see them, like, bets in the top of that line for a third time. Um, when I know, were, bets has, was not doing well against no, him at all. Like, in fact, top but, three, I think, was 0 for 6 yeah, on the day against him. Six strikeouts, too. Like, they hadn't been able to touch him. And also, um, I saw a stat that um, – Snell was actually more successful. Like teams had a lower average against him the third time through compared to the second time. So it was almost like he got better. And I don't know what, I honestly don't know what cash was looking like looking at. I think it was just that mindset that, Oh, they're going to see him again. They're going to do better. But sometimes you just got to look at your eyes and be like, you know what? He's got it going tonight. Got to leave him in. Yeah. More like Kevin debt. 
<laughs> um, and then in the, in the we'll, NL, we'll work on that. <laughs> in the NL, All right, had, keep, uh, keep it moving. Move on to the NL here. Uh, Don Mattingly of the Marlins, David Ross of the Cubs, and then uh, Jay Stingler with the Padres. Um, this is another close race. Um, for yeah. me, I think I'm going to pick Tingler here just because the Padres haven't made the playoffs since um, 2006, but the same can be said for the Marlins. So. Yeah, I was going to go with Mattingly personally. I think that uh, nobody expected really them to uh, to do what they did with what they had this season, and they came out there and they competed, and they, they played really well. Even with uh, the Padres, I think a lot of people expected them to be on the up and up with uh, a lot of their young talent, but did not – think the same for for the uh, Marlins so I'm gonna go with Mattingly I gotta go with Mattingly too I didn't really like him as a manager when he was with the Dodgers um, I thought he kind of squashed his whole opportunity there but you know with the whole Marlins season like the Marlins really just aren't a very talented roster um, they're one of the worst teams of baseball last year and they had the whole coronavirus breakout like early in the season um, it was like 19 or 20 cases or something um, you know they were out for a couple of weeks and I think for him to bring the whole team together and get them to the playoffs. And then, you know, they, they won a couple of playoff games. So um, I really think it, that was probably to the biggest, you know, avail of Don Mattingly. So I think he's got to win it. Um, you know, it's not a postseason award, but even, even just what he did in the regular season, I think is good enough to get him over the hump. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tight nonetheless. Uh, all, the manager of the year is always an interesting vote. Cause you kind of have contrast of like managers like Kevin Cash, who, you know, you expect the race to have a good year, and they do have a really good year. But then you also have um, managers who completely exceed expectations, which is the case with um, Tingler and um, Mattingly here. So I think both of them are deserving. Uh, you can make a good case for both of them. Um, and then uh, the final category here was the MVP race. Um, so in the N air, the AL is Jose Abreu of the White Sox, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees, and Jose Ramirez of the Indians. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts first. Um, who do you think is going to win this? I really think this is kind of a toss-up in my mind. Um, I think that as much as it pains me to say it, I think DJ LeMahieu has a really convincing case for the MVP this year. I mean, his, his numbers, his uh, OPS was – insane or not insane but like it was over a thousand which i think uh if you look at how many people usually are over a thousand per year it's only like four or five and um the yankees were the hospital team all year but he uh was a consistent bright spot for them so i think you can make a case for the other two guys but i'd probably go with dj yeah, it's definitely a tough race um jose ramirez was kind of the one bright spot on that indians offense um he really helped him out he got him a ton of runs um, and then LeMahieu's just been a machine this year. And ever since he's really been on the Yankees, really. But I think it's Jose Abreu. Um, you know, every offensive statistic, you know, obviously you take defense out of first base, which kind of diminishes, you know, their votes a little bit. But I just think when he was at the plate, he was one of the best hitters in baseball this year. So I don't think you can take that away from him. But I definitely agree with you, Steve. I think LeMahieu makes a huge case just because the Yankees were so good um, and because his OPS was through the roof. Yeah. I agree with both of you. In fact, when I was taking notes here on who I, who I picked, I put Abreu slash Mayhew because I honestly couldn't really make up my mind. Um, I personally, at the end, I'm going to choose Jose Abreu um, just because, um, you know, he was the core of that White Sox team this year. 
And LeMahieu did miss a couple games at the beginning of the year, um, which in a 60-game season, they might factor that in. But um, I could you can make a case for all three of these guys. I mean, Jose Ramirez had a career year as well. Um, but I think I think it's going to go to either Abreu or LeMahieu. Um, both yeah, have- I mean, um, off the top of your head, do you know um, who, what team had the best record out of those three? Was the Yankees? I can look it up real quick. Uh, let me think. I think the Yankees did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, personally, I don't put a ton of stock into that, but um, I think voters like the win stat a little bit more than I do. So that might have a little bit of uh, impact on that. Um, it was actually the White Sox and the Indians uh, tied with 35 and then the Yankees at 33. Um, yeah. So, even the Yankees were were the Yankees the highest seed in the playoffs? Or no, the, the Indians were the higher of the three. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess especially too because the Yankees were expected to win the division, the division, and then didn't. But this is, I guess, an individual award, so maybe I'm just looking yep. too too far into it. Um, and then the final category was the NL MVP race, which is another three really talented players: uh, Mookie Betts. Tough one uh, with the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman, the Braves, and uh, Manny Machado, our old friend with the San Diego Padres. Um, again, another tough one, but I think I'm going to give this to Freddie Freeman. Uh, he had a really yep. outstanding season. Um, he led the MLB in uh, doubles, RBIs, and he had a 1.102 OPS, which is way ridiculous. Off. So, um, you know, the Braves had a really good season between him and Ozuna. Um, so I think I got to give it to Freeman, honestly. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to definitely agree with you uh, on that one. I also, to uh, go back to the AL MVP for a hot second, I think Shane Bieber probably should have been a finalist, but that's neither here nor there. I don't think he would have won necessarily, even if he was a finalist, but that's just my two cents on that. And then uh, I'm going to go with Freddie Freeman as well. I think that he was just too good you know, to not pick him. I think the other guys did really well, but Freddie Freeman was just on another planet this year. So what do you think, Clawson? Yeah, I got to agree too. Um, he's really the best hitter in baseball this year, but the only kind of knock against Freddie Freeman, it's the same thing with um, Jose Abreu. He's at first base. Defense doesn't really matter. Um, you're not going to make a lot of errors at first base unless you're really bad. Um, so I think that kind of gives you the case for Mookie Betts, but I just think it, you know, where Freddie Freeman was arguably the best player in baseball, um, or at least the best offensive player in baseball. I don't think you can take that away from him. And I think he's definitely got the, uh, the MVP race locked up for him. Yeah. I mean, voters definitely like to look at, uh, I mean, if I, if I did, was doing more research and was actually casting a vote here, I would definitely look more in the defensive metrics. Um, I mean, Betts has won what three or four gold gloves in a, in a row. I think maybe uh, three, I think three. Um, I mean, so yeah, his defense was actually one platinum glove. That's right. Yeah. Um, Freeman does have a gold glove his, um, himself, but obviously it's not as, uh, you know, first base. You just got to – gotta. Freeman, I do think, is a plus at first base defensively. I think there's a lot of guys you can stick in there and you can be like, you're just going to stand there and catch the baseball and that's all mm-hmm. we need you to do. But I think Freeman, you know, he, he does what he's supposed to do and then some. Yeah, so. and I, I agree. There's just only a handful of guys in the major these days who, like, you know, Freeman, Mitch Moreland, um, um, Matt Olson, the the A's, you know, those are like the premier um, 
defensive guys. Yeah, maybe Rizzo a couple of years ago. Maybe yeah. not so much these days, but um, so yeah, I mean, take that into account as much as you want. But um, overall, I think Freeman did have the best season out of three of them. Um, it's a pretty interesting conversation. We got a lot of different picks. Lot, yeah, we definitely. got a lot of the same picks, but I think we got a couple different picks in there too. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these turn out. For sure. Yeah, so um, let's see. Those will be announced. Um, I actually don't know. Um, let see. I don't know if you guys know, but probably within the next two weeks, um, those will come out. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts here. We'll uh, wrap it up with the, the close uh, closing out segment. Um, maybe one final thought from any, everybody, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah, final thought just, um, about our show in general, um, it's going to be a great time. Everybody who's listening to this right now wants to stick around with us and talk some baseball every week. You know, I think that, uh, we're going to give you guys a good show. I got to say the same thing to Steve. Um, I think we're an exciting time in baseball. I think the last like five years, you know, the face of baseball probably weren't great at representing the game. Um, but I think now we've got such an influx of young, really like, you know, character, like really good characters um, in baseball, like guys that are really excited to go out and play every day. So I think with that, we're going to have a lot of good content to talk about. So stay tuned, everyone. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I'm just going to build off that. Um, yeah. I think we're only going to keep getting better. Um, you know, it's our, our first time talking to three of us um, and, you know, it was, it was a little clunky at times, but we're going to, we're going to work on it. Um, it was overall a good show, but um yeah, I think if you're if you're still listening, uh, stick around because only uh, only better stuff to come. The Red Sox, there's going to be plenty to talk about this year, um, and you know we'll also talk about um, big other um, MLB topics. Um, so yeah, with that being said, thank you for listening to the first episode of the Gone Bridge podcast, and we'll be back next week, um, hopefully with some news about Alex Cora and um, some other miscellaneous uh, free agent signings.